Life isn't about avoiding the bruises. It's about collecting the scars to prove that we showed up for it. Join Nikki Seberini for the next hour as she explores heroism through illness. There is a warrior inside each of us. This is Lifelinks with the DL Link. Lifelinks is a funding initiative of the DL Link. I'd like to introduce our first guest. Um, as I said, uh, a young age, he has faced many, many challenges, um, but uh, Robbie will share his story. Robbie, Robbie Eddles, um, welcome and thank you so very much for joining us. Well, thank you for inviting me, Nikki. You know, Robbie, I mean, when I, when, when you hear me say this about you, like I'm talking about a young man and three times you've been diagnosed with cancer, you've had to walk this really trying journey and, and I'm going on and on. What goes through your mind? Is it you? Are you having an out of body experience or does it feel very much you that I'm talking about? Feels, I'd say probably both ways. Like it does feel like a reminder of what I went through, but it also reminded me like out of body because I'm not the only one who experiences these things. And it's also put into perspective as you describe it. So Robbie, I mean, you were first diagnosed, what, when you were six years old um, with leukemia? Yes, I think um, in 2008 was my first diagnosis. And what do you recall um, of that? That I mean, it must have been a you know trying time, challenging, stressed out parents, family. Do you do you recall that clearly? What what stands out for you? I recall. Obviously, I don't recall too much, but I do recall. I think stressful times, me being sick quite a lot, um, hospital, being in hospital for uh, long spouts of time. Uh, yeah, and also remember. Um, getting very sick from side effects from the chemo and also getting infections and then would also also call it uh, causing longer time in hospital it's a lot for a young six-year-old to deal with um and you know everywhere all your friends are going to school and running around in the garden how did your family explain it to you i mean I, I'm, I'm just curious to know because you're now a young man and we can go there you know and we can look back and discuss it but how did that how did they process that with you what was did you understand what was happening at the time i mean besides what you remember but were you aware of what was actually going on i think in the beginning i wasn't too aware but my dad is a radiologist uh-huh. and so obviously he's a bit, so he's a doctor so he does know the, um, what was happening and I think he explained it the best to me that a parent could to their six-year-old son because I remember they were trying to feed me broccoli soup because I would help um, help me with my white cells or and he said um, that the way he described it is that my cells that were fighting the cancer were like soldiers and that you needed to eat good food to give the soldiers ammunition to fight the bad guy, which was like the cancer cells. What an amazing explanation that was. Wow. So, mm. so Robbie, age of six, this is what you go through. You remember feeling ill. I know that you had chemotherapy and then you were given a clean bill of health. And so you carried on and ki- kids are incredibly resilient and I'm sure you bounced back. Um, but then five years later, you were also diagnosed. Do you want to just tell us what happened there? Was it, did you start feeling the same? What, what, what led up to that um, second diagnosis? Well, the second diagnosis was actually very surprising because we didn't actually know. So I know go to the game reserve in December. We've done it quite some time. And then during that trip, I got a tick bite fever 
and the mm-hmm. tick was in my head. And then for some reason, my dad decided to take me for x-rays. We eventually got, I eventually got over the tick bite fever, but then we found it must have maybe activated. The illness must have activated the cancer cells that were dormant inside me. Cause then I went for an ICU. Oh. They could see the cells in my bone marrow again. So we were completely surprised because I was feeling fine, perfect. And so now you were 11 years old. So now you could really understand more. And, um, yeah. And I know that then they already recommended, um, having a, a, a transplant, um, and looking for a donor. Am I correct? Uh, then my doctor was like, this is the second time. The best option is to, um, have a donor, but then obviously it was difficult to find one and we didn't find one that time. Cause that's, I mean, that's what we're going to be talking to about, um, mm. the incredible work that you and your family have done in promoting and getting more and more people to uh, join the registry, the bone marrow registry. And we're going to head there. Um, but but at that time, as you said, not easy to find a, a donor, um, and mm. so you you had other treatment. But again, you went you went into remission. Am I correct? Yes. So I know I went into remission, and my doctor checked my bone marrow with a biopsy, and she said that it was all good, and then said that um, there wouldn't be a need, there wouldn't be necessary to have a transplant because my body. And my bone marrow was looking so good. Robbie, uh, you know, as I said, six years old, you didn't remember much, but you got on with it. But 11, you're a lot more aware. You're a lot older. You're aware of what your friends are and aren't doing. What was that process like? I mean, how, how, after, after, you know, you got through it, was, were you fearful of it happening again? Just give us an idea of your headspace at that time. Well, I think definitely coming out of it. I think the first month or so actually, no, I think I was always a bit fearful. Like if ever I'd have a pain in my lower back, I'd always think, ooh, is that it? Um, so I think I was always, because of the second time, I think it quite scared me and made me realize that, yes, it can come back. So yeah. I suppose um, as the years went on, I became less wary of it, but I was it was always like at the back of my head. There must be pretty stressful living like that, Robbie. Mm, it was a little, although I think there'd be like spots where I'd forget and then I'd remember so I think it'd be stressful most of the time, but there were some times where I'd just um, live blissfully, I suppose. Yeah, I, I, you know, we're human and that's what we do, right? I mean, it's, um, it's, it's so relevant to discuss that, especially with what we're all going through globally. Um, that mm. even with all these challenges, we find ways to enjoy life and forget about things and, uh, and, and find joy, which is what makes us human, which is great. Mm. Um, yeah. so when you were, how old? I think it was in 2019. How old were you in 2019 when you were diagnosed for the third time? So I was about 17. 17. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so what was the build up again? How, what, what happened? What made you go to the doctor and how were you diagnosed? Fill us in. So contrary to the first time, the second time I was very sick. I came back from a trip from the holidays and I was very tired. I was looking very pale. I wasn't as energetic as I used to be. And then I, my parents are just like, okay, something's wrong. Um, and I was like that the whole holiday and we didn't really think much of it. And then my first week of school started and I, just, and I asked my mom and my mom even said as well, she said, I'll just take you to our GP, our general practitioner and we'll check you out. So we did. And then she was like, okay, something's a bit weird. We need to get like, um, we need to get tests. And then when the test came back, it was cancer. The cancer came back, the leukemia. How, how did you feel? Try and explain, try and describe that um, third time. 
what was going through your mind? I think I was distraught because mm-hmm. I didn't think, because as I said, I probably, I think I forgot about it at that point. And just all the memories, all the bad memories I had came rushing back in. And I just realized that was my grade 11 year. I'd been at high school for quite some time. I realized I was going to not be at school with my friends anymore, not be able to see my friends. Uh, yeah. Mm. I just want to say, Robbie, that, uh, you know, you having to talk about this over and over, over again, um, we appreciate it. You know, on this show, so many people who are listening walk this cancer journey, um, and Mm. who are going through it as we speak. Some have recovered. Um, and so for you to be able to come on air and relive this, because I can't imagine it's easy to be going back to those times and those feelings. So we appreciate it. I just wanted to say that we really do appreciate it, Robbie. Thank you. So you were told that you needed a, a, a transplant, right? Um, and you had mentioned earlier how difficult it is. And this really an extraordinary new journey started for you and your family in um, looking for a donor, um, perhaps you can just tell us just how difficult it can be to find a donor, what the chances are of finding a donor to help with, with your bone marrow. It can be very slim because I know if you generally look for, well, you have to look for 100% a match uh, to get from a donor. And I know that those chances are very slim. Um, but also, luckily, which wasn't available when I was the second time, uh, is that now it was introduced was haplo. So half familial matches. So like my sisters to me were both 50% matches to me. Okay. So, so just say that again. So whereas before it had to be a hundred percent match, whereas now six years down the line, there had been a whole lot of more research and new treatment had come out. I know that treatment specifically done in Israel as well, that they'd been working on is the treatment that you used. But now you could actually, um, with the, with, with, with siblings, with a 50% match, that would be good enough. Yes. I mean, obviously the doctors do prefer a hundred percent, but in my case, where you couldn't find a hundred percent, uh, the haplo is good. And it works and it has worked. <laughs> amazing. Absolutely amazing. So your sister, Jill, um, so you've got two sisters, Robbie. I'm the youngest out of three. I have Jillian, who's my oldest, and Megan, who's my middle sister. So, but, and both of them had the 50% match. Yes, both of them were 50%. So how, who decided would be the one to, to, to be the donor? Well, also with familial, it can also be your parents. So I know the transplant doctors initially chose my dad to be my match, who was also 50%. And how come and it landed up being Julian? It was kind of, I'd say, a, a, um, rush at the end because I know for when you get a transplant in order to completely ensure that all the leukemia is gone as you go through radiation. So I went to a different hospital to get the radiation. And while I was lying in bed, my dad was going through tests. And then they found out that I think obviously during, because since, as I said, he's a doctor, I think he picked up a flu. He wasn't sick at all, but I think he just picked up a flu, which um, made him unable to donate to me. Uh-huh. So um, they did. So then the next best option was my sister, Jill. So then they did tests on her and they found that she didn't have it. 
So she could be my donor. And so what was, we're going to get to, we're going to get to the, um, how you and your family galvanized your community, um, into becoming donors, but just sticking with Jill, like once, once that this decision had been made, do you have to move quickly? Um, in case she got some kind of flu, how or could you wait for a period of time? How did that process work out? So, um, because there was, during the like during the very end process of me getting my donor cells and i think um they were trying to rush in case something were to happen jill did um go through the machine the next day wow and of course we're going to debunk quite a few myths here because there are you know people have got these preconceived ideas about donating bone marrow that it can be very painful that it can be very long that sometimes surgery is involved what was involved in Gillian donating sorry i did make a mistake it wasn't the next day but she started the process where she gets needles in to um up her uh, her white blood cell production. Sorry. And that's what, like a week. How, how long does that take place before she actually goes on the machine? Um, it takes about that? five days. So about, oh, almost about five week. days. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the, she has those injections and then she goes on the machine and, yes. um, and, and for you, is it a different day when they put it in you or are you sitting there with two machines, you know, next to one another? How does that work? Well, and, um, so what they do is it, I receive it the next day after because I think the doctors will collect the cells and then they'll mm-hmm. probably test it and see if they are viable. I see. Okay. And, then so, and so you used um, Jillian's bone marrow and it was more than viable. Mm-hmm. It was incredibly successful. At what, at what point did they give you the thumbs up and say it's worked? I think I can't remember too clearly when, but I think it was either – the day she was donating or the day I was receiving where they said they are viable and you will be having your transplant. Oh, and describe that feeling. I think it was very relieving. Yeah. I think I felt quite yeah. very happy. I'm sure. Mm. Quite a thing for your older sister to do that and to know that it's working. And now we can look back and um, really talk about the, the bone marrow and trying to get as many people involved in donating bone marrow. How are mm. you doing, Robbie? How are you feeling? I'm feeling very good. I'm feeling very strong, very healthy. <laughs> So that's all we want, which is incredible. Okay, so let's talk about what you and your family did. Um, obviously, realizing once you had contacted the South African Bone Marrow um, Registry that that you know there weren't that many people who had been um, uh, d- becoming donors, and w- what made you decide as a family to really put a lot of effort and energy behind it? Um, you know, because your sister was a donor, but you've carried on with it. Um, why is it so important to you? I think it was important because I realized not only did I need to look for a hundred percent, I also realized that. I'm not the only one. I wasn't the only one going through it. There's probably lots of people, millions um, going through it at the same time. And I realized maybe even if I don't get a donor out of this, at least other people will get donors. So it was pushed by my family and our amazing family friends and my aunt. And we did it mainly through Facebook. Mm-hmm. And which managed to get a lot of viewing, which was incredible. Wow. And I believe, I believe there was a huge uptake. I believe that the response was incredible. So much so mm. that in friend, in fact, a friend of yours has become a donor. Am I correct? Yes. A few friends of mine have. And That's it was amazing to Robbie. see. And have they actually gone ahead with the donation? The procedure's taken place. Yes. I know one has definitely, and I'm sure others have as well. 
for people in this country or globally, or do they not even know? I don't think they don't really know, but I assume that it's probably um, in the country. Isn't that just extraordinary how you you got mm-hmm. them to become donors and people who, who may have never had a match now have a match and they can have the right treatment. And I just love that. And I really, really want to push it because, you know, even if it's just a couple of people who are listening to the show, who at the end of the shows, you know, say to themselves, well, you know, I was thinking about it or I'm definitely going to do it. And, and, um, just the, the, the positive impact of, of what you're doing, Robbie is incredible. Let's hope we can get lots of people to, to get involved. Robbie, I, I, is Jillian with you? Can we have a very quick chat with Jillian? Yes, she's right here. Ah, oh, fabulous. Hi, Nikki. Hi, Gillian. How are you? I'm great, thanks. And you? Listen, fantastic. I think you're amazing, and I think Robbie's amazing, and I love the story because um, I really would like people who are listening to realize that you know, be, to become a bone marrow donor is not as scary as people think it is. So tell us from your point of view, um, when you realized that you were a 50% match, um, how did you feel? I felt elated. I was really happy. Um, obviously, because we were having such difficulty finding a 100% match, knowing that I could be the donor, it was, yeah, it was a great feeling. Wonderful. And, um, okay. So let's, cause Robbie was sort of explaining. So let's just go into what happened. So, um, a, a few days before they start, you start getting these injections. Yeah. So, um, you get called in, you have a whole bunch of tests done, um, blood tests just to make sure that you as a donor is healthy enough to donate. Um, and then after that, you get an injection every morning. You just in your tummy and it basically overstimulates your stem cells so that when you actually donate, they're just taking the excess out of you. So they're not really taking anything that you don't need. Right. Um, and then you obviously go into the hospital and it's basically four to eight hours. You lie in a bed or you sit in a chair and you hooked up to two needles. One needle takes out the blood and the other puts it back in. So very simple, actually. So it's like giving blood. It's, it's, it is like giving blood. Painless. Yes. Just like giving blood. You just sit there. You can get fed <laughs> and given sips of water. It's, yeah, very easy. And, and the preparation, those um, injections in your belly, were they sore? Did you feel any side effects from them? So having them themselves wasn't too painful, but because they're overstimulating your white blood cells, you do get flu-like symptoms. So I had a slight headache and a little bit of lower back pain because that's obviously your bone marrow working. But other mm-hmm. than that, it wasn't bad, the symptoms. Hmm. So you went in and you donated the marrow and then um, Robbie got it. Um, but you you didn't really know at the time. I'm sure, I mean, Robbie said he knew that it was that the match was there and it was A-OK. But at what point did you realize it's worked and everything's going to be OK? I think it was a couple of months after that when he got released from the hospital. Obviously, they kept in isolation for a while. And when he was allowed to be released, I think it was a relief that, you know, he seemed to be improving every day and that maybe this might just work. Fantastic. And so it's just a, it's just a beautiful story. Um, Gillian, did you, after you donated the bone marrow, did you experience anything physically? Um, just for people who are listening and, and who are curious, did you feel okay? 
Um, I felt fine. I was a little bit exhausted um, a few days afterwards, but nothing bad. Yeah. And they actually great. I mean, the hospital phoned me a week later. You actually go and get blood tests a couple of days later so that they make sure that you are fine. And then a year after that, I actually got another phone call and they're just checking up on you, making sure there's no problems. So they're really amazing with your aftercare. Hmm, wonderful. If you've been a donor once, can you, would they call on you again if there was ever a match? Do you know? Um, yes, because I was a 50% match for my brother, I'm still on the registry in case I'm a 100% match for someone else. Okay. Wonderful, wonderful. So you were part of the drive to encourage family uh, members and friends to go to uh, contact SABMR, the South African Bone Marrow Registry, and to register. And I mean, Robbie was just talking about some friends who there's, they've been, they've, you know, they've been a couple of matches, which is incredible. Um, just for, for our listeners, um, what, what do you have to say to those people who are sort of thinking about it and not quite sure i think that it's made out to be much scarier than it actually is and it's such an easy process to donate it's such a swab in your mouth and i think the feeling afterwards that you've donated is just such an amazing feeling you feel so good that you've helped someone and it's literally a day out of your lives when it's a full life for them again mm. and so to see your brother healthy and amazing how how incredibly rewarding and what a gift such a gift. It's been, yeah, it's incredible to see him go from strength to strength. Oh, fantastic. Jillian, thanks for joining us and thanks for sharing your side of the story. We really appreciate it and do take care. Look after yourself. Can we have Robbie again? Of course you can. Thank you so thank much. You so, thank you. Thank you so much. So Robbie, are you there? Yes. Fantastic. How's life looking um, for you at the moment? It's looking well. I'm feeling good staying away from COVID. Um, I'm at school in matric. And and how's that going, Robbie? I mean, with COVID and everything, you coping okay? Yes, I think it's good. Obviously, because of my previous relapse with cancer, I am considered to have a comorbidity because I think okay. from that, my immune system is probably weaker than the average person. But I do know my school are very good with the protocols. And um, we haven't been able, we, in the beginning, obviously, in January during the second wave, and it was very busy and very hectic um we were online so my school is very good and they're very adaptable to the um to the waves of COVID. And listen, I think that these lessons in your lifetime have taught you to be quite resilient and quite adaptable, right? I'm sure I think to me as well as to everyone, I think COVID was quite a shock and I'm sure it's tested us all. <laughs> Indeed it has. Absolutely. And and we're get, we're getting through it, Robbie. So that's why Thanks for coming on to the show and for um, inspiring us. You know, it's an inspiration. Well, thank you. So um, I think you're amazing. And um, I think that what you've done for the South African Bone Marrow Registry is phenomenal. And let's hope that this conversation today um, will will galvanize some of our listeners um, to go and to register um, and just also the realization that it's not painful and it's not scary and that it's easy and that the, the great reward is that a life can be saved so Robbie thank you for joining us it's been so lovely having you on the show well thank you so much it was amazing to be on the show uh, take care and good health good health Robbie take care thank bye you bye. good health thank to you, you all and stay safe during these uh third wave <laughs> oh thanks Robbie you too go well and all the best with matric eh? thank you